Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A scandal involving eight members of Hockey Canada's 2018 World Junior Team. Allegations of sexual assault. They have settled out of court. But the National Hockey League must do something. What can they do? What will they do? What should they do? I discuss it on the SICK Podcast with Marinero. Sports lawyer David Kellerman is coming up. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. And welcome, Marinero, the sick podcast presented by 8.6 Beer, Intense by Nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And, of course, brought to you by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. Nothing surprises me anymore in the world of sport and in this game of life. Uh, but the news that came out just over a week ago, first reported by Rick Westhead, of TSN is truly and absolutely disturbing. Court records show that a plaintiff um, filed a report of allegations of sexual assault by eight members of the 2018 Hockey Canada World Junior Team. And since then, uh, there seems to be uh, a settlement out of court. But why did it take four years for this story to come up? And what will the National Hockey League do, even though no one has yet been proven guilty? This is above my pay grade. I bring in sports lawyer David Kellerman. Hello, David. Good afternoon. Hi, Tony. How are you? I'm doing good, David. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. I'm happy to be on. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, open invitation for you anytime. First of, uh, of what I believe and I hope will be uh, several times that you'll be on the uh, the sick podcast, Dave. Uh, this has been going on now. First reported over a week ago. Um, the plaintiff says that uh, in 2018 she was uh, repeatedly assaulted while intoxicated in a hotel room following an event that honored. Team Canada's 2018 World Junior Team, who had won the gold medal. The woman is 24 years old now. So back in eight, 2018, four years ago, she was probably 20. 
and she was seeking $3.55 million in damages. There was a settlement. Not so sure we have the details to the settlement just yet, but Dave, why does it take four years for news to come out? Well, it takes four years because the, the recourse that this alleged victim filed uh, is recent. So um, once, you know, the onus is obviously on, on a victim um, to, to file a complaint in different respects. You can file a civil complaint to ask for monetary damages, and you can file a criminal complaint to seek where the Crown Prosecutor will then seek criminal uh, remedies and sanctions against the accused. Here, the proceeding was filed in April, uh, and there was a settlement that was reached rapidly. We don't know what happened in the last four years. That's not disclosed. We don't have any information as to what the settlement is. That will probably never come. That not, not probably. That will never come out. Part of a confidential part. Part of a settlement is the confidential nature of a settlement. And so the parties, and that'll be a clause in the settlement agreement saying that no parties are to, to discuss the terms of the settlement unless they're required to do so in other court proceedings. Um, so it does take time. Okay. The woman did not want to identify the alleged players involved. Uh, let's take a look at that 2018 World Junior roster. Here it is. There are a lot of familiar names that played on that team. Among them, Maxime Contois, Drake Batherson, Sam Steele, Alex Formanton, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, Kale McCarr, Cal Foote, Dante Fabro, Kale Clagg, who played the past season with the Montreal Canadiens, former Hab Victor Mete. The coach at the time was former Montreal Canadiens coach Dominic Ducharme. His assistant is current assistant coach Trevor Latowski. So there's a lot of familiar names for us today of people who were on that team. Now, in regards to the alleged, in regards to the allegation of sexual assault, um, why would the plaintiff choose not to name who was involved? So the plaintiff is allowed to not choose for, in order to um, minimize uh, any risk of, um, because once the cat's out of the bag, if it's publicly acknowledged, then there's a, a risk of, um, of retaliation it also creates it heightens the it's already very public in nature um if you start targeting specific individuals you enhance the the the, the public profile of of a situation like this draws more attention on the victim which is maybe something that she's she's not comfortable with um she has been instructed you know probably by by a team of of consultants who have chosen this route uh, which is a more discreet route, and 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 you can respect that. Uh, obviously, the problem is that look at what we've just done. You know, you just went down a list, and then that casts a shadow over every single one of those guys. You're Some right. of them may have nothing to do with it, you're and now it becomes a guessing right. game: who did yeah. it, who didn't, and all of a sudden now they're all 
guilty by association in the public eye, or there's there's skepticism, and it, and that you could argue is is damaging uh, in and of itself. So, but she has a choice to to name. Um, and there's also the fact that when you when you go through um, these types of very very sensitive allegations that have to do with a person's physical and emotional integrity, um, you know, there's a right to not have to disclose all this information um, unduly and 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 at a period in time where it's not necessary. At, at one point or the other, it would have it would have come out in in court had this progressed. But to do it at this stage. Um, would not, you know, in in the victims from the victims' point of view, would not have brought any added value to the process. Would it um, by not naming the names? Would it provide for a bigger financial settlement, or not? Does that have anything to do with it whatsoever? Well, no. I mean, what what it does is by by naming the names, um, you know, the allegations themselves are so damaging that it would you would have to think that the NHL the players that say that are playing in the NHL today you'd have to think that the NHL would have to do something quickly to to stop the hemorrhage or to show a willingness to act and not you know pretend that these are just allegations and they're unproven you know in other sports leagues if there's just mere allegations of domestic violence or assault you're suspended and so you know the NHL doesn't adopt it to that to that extent. The NHL is also not you know it's not always been in this kind of spotlight. You know we're seeing it more with what happened with the Cal Beach incident, and and now more and more there's an empowerment of victims to come out and say, look, we have a problem. There could be a systemic problem in in you know in hockey, in minor hockey, in professional hockey. It's hard to tell at this point because this is just you know this is evolving, and um, so. By choosing not to disclose, um, and and by not disclosing, the NHL now is in a more difficult situation where it's on them to decide whether or not they're going to investigate further and really find out exactly what happened, what went wrong, and what sanctions need to be yeah. applied. I should point out, by the way, that um, <clears throat> it's not necessarily all eight members of that World Junior team because... Um, it states that there were um, players for members of the CHL and Hockey Canada, including, but not limited to members of that Canada, Canada's U20 men's junior hockey team. Yeah, and, you know, this speaks to something that we discussed uh, when Logan Mayu was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. Okay. Which is... These kids are brought up in an environment, in a team. They're far from home, especially these, these competitions. I mean, they're all together. They're, they're not at home. They're not with their parents. They're young. And there have to be, you know, there's a responsibility when Hockey Canada takes on these players that are young, minors in, in, you know, in, 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 uh, in World Juniors. And they have a duty to supervise them. They have a duty to safeguard you know, to make sure that they themselves are not targets or, 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 or the, 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 the target or the, the victims themselves of sex crimes or any kind of other crimes, and that they are not put in precarious situations that could lead them to commit offenses. And it is very difficult, you know, to, to 
safeguard at every respect when these kids they decide to go out they start drinking um you know and to and to lay certain guidelines um in place to make sure that the players are not put in vulnerable situations but that being difficult doesn't make it impossible and now more and more we have to ask ourselves when a logan mayu is sent overseas playing with kids that are his age and then also playing with people that are 30 he's a kid playing an adult you know uh, riding the bus with adults totally different mindset not necessarily ready for that this is by no means excusing what he did but there have to be mechanisms in place by these governing bodies and these sports associations and these clubs to make sure that the players are protected and if the players are protected then in turn the mem- the public is protected as well had there been enough safeguarding in place you know on that night maybe the, you know the players are not are not able to do allegedly what happened you know and and yeah. it's a whole systemic issue that needs to be looked at based on what we're hearing and and what we're reading uh, a player videotaped her with her consent and had her say on video that she was sober and she agreed to what was happening and agreed to what would happen. Um, you know, how many times have we seen that when, when people are taken hostage? Again, these are allegations. They're not proven. You know, we have to be very careful when we discuss these things because they are allegations and there is a presumption of innocence. You know, if it's taken from a criminal standpoint, you know, th- these are unproven facts. Let um, me ask you this. Pardon me if I yeah, can. Sure. Many will say that when there's a settlement, even out of court, it means that something happened that shouldn't have happened. It means that both parties had the perception that drawing this matter to a close amicably, the benefits of that outweighed any benefits that a judgment could have brought. And so... It doesn't mean anything other than that. It may have happened. It may not have happened. But the process that both parties would have embarked on um, would not have would not have justified, um, you know, the 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 desired outcome. You know, that they in their view that the the sacrifice that you make when you go into litigation. I mean, there's what we tell clients is that you have your hard your hard costs is how much you're going to pay lawyers to get to try and acquire and get justice in court and to make your claims. And then there's a soft cost of how much time you're going to dedicate to think about this file. How much time are you going to spend agonizing over your court appearances, preparing as a witness, reliving the situation, which can create, create another level of victimization, the trauma that's involved when you're a, an alleged victim of sexual assault. These are all things that are taken into consideration. You ask yourself, the victim will ask herself, do I, do I want to go through this? Is my, my, my search for remedy is it is it you know what what brings me closure and peace mm-hmm. and that will change from one one victim to the other and on the other side hockey canada says well do we really want to go through this whole process it's going to be a media you know fodder for the media it's going to yeah. be negative spotlight on us for a long period of time whether it happened or not they choose to they choose to deal with it that's all it means it's the sick podcast. I'm Marinero. Tell your friends about it. You can follow us on all social media platforms, including subscribing to our YouTube channel. 
It's absolutely free. You can shop for all your sports license, lifestyle apparel, including hoodies, caps, T-shirts of your favorite teams, all from your major leagues with sportbuffshop.com and also our sick merchandise because this story is really making me sick. You can use code 615 for 15% off on all of their items and matrixhomefitness.ca. You can discover a club quality workout uh, in the comfort of your own home. Visit matrixhomefitness.ca for all of their fitness equipment. All right. A couple of statements have been issued by both Hockey Canada and the National Hockey League. We're going to put them up here on the screen, both back-to-back, starting with the Hockey Canada one. As soon as Hockey Canada became aware of this matter in 2018, we contacted local police authorities to inform them. The same day, we also retained uh, Hennon Hutchinson, LP, to undertake a thorough and independent internal investigation and make recommendations on areas for improvement, which we have been implementing and will continue to pursue. That's their statement. Before we get to the National Hockey League statement, Dave, what does that mean exactly? Put it back up on the screen, please. What does that mean? As soon as we, as soon as Hockey Canada became aware of this matter in 2018, so in 2018, that's what they're saying. They knew. They knew. They knew in 2018. And then the questions arise. So what so did you do in 2018? doesn't break this story. This is all under no, the it, rug. It, it, it probably never comes out. Now, what's the benefit of it coming out? Who wins, you know, with it coming out? And not only that, but if it, if it doesn't, if it comes out, you're also, you're also doing it. Um, you're, you're, you're potentially exposing a victim as well in the way that, you know, in it coming out as well. Like the victim will control the narrative here to a certain point. Then when the allegations come out, when the victim decides to finally file the lawsuit, then the damage control happens on the defense side and they have to start, especially yeah. when it's in, it's in the public eye, they need to put out press releases in order to appease. This yeah. is all about appeasing the public. This is a Canadian, it's our, it's our national sport. It's Hockey Canada. You know, it's not the it's not the church, but it means a lot to the country. It's our kids. It's the people that we cheer for two weeks out of the year. You know, it brings the whole country together during the holidays. It's a very, very high profile um, event. And at the same time, it's also such an important launching pad for so many great players that we've seen in the last 40 years. Yeah. And so it's a very sensitive it's a very sensitive spot, uh, you know, that 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 Hockey Canada is in. And they need to make sure that the public, that they, they show that there's sensitivity, awareness, and there's a certain level of accountability as well without admitting anything. They can't admit to the wrongdoing. If they've settled, it's obviously part and, part and parcel of the settlement is that in that settlement, they will not have admitted to having done anything wrong, that they're mm-hmm. buying the peace. And so, but it does mean that they have, they said that they took it seriously and that they retained yeah. an internal investigator and they were then counseled according to that investigation report. All right. A couple of days later, the National Hockey League issued a statement as well. It reads, the National Hockey League was advised of a lawsuit involving sexual allegations filed against eight unnamed members of the 2018 Canadian World Junior Hockey Team. We were subsequently provided with the statement of claim containing allegations of behavior that is both abhorrent and reprehensible. Uh, Okay, so now, on that note, my question to you is, what can the National Hockey League do? 
So the wording is interesting, right? It's important. They're saying abhorrent and reprehensible. Yeah. They're using strong wording. They're saying they're allegations that are abhorrent and reprehensible. Um, in choosing that wording, they're trying to show a level of awareness and sensitivity to the problem. They're, they're showing that, you know, we're going to take this seriously. It's unacceptable. Of course. Now it's a matter of what, what can the NHL do? Given today's landscape, given what happened in the Ka Beach um, story, which now has, is a canvas for, for how the NHL needs to be a model for how the NHL wishes to act going forward, not going back, because we know that going back, you know, there were, there were, correction, there were c- corrections that needed to be made, mm-hmm. um, you know, when, when Ka Beach came, came, came out with, with his allegations at the time. So what they can do, and again, you're governed by the CBA. Mm-hmm. You know, the players are governed by their contracts as well. I mean, they're employees of their teams, and the teams are members of, 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 a, of the NHL. And so you have different layers of contracts there. You have a lot of financial interests that are in play, and you have the need to have the NHL espouse the proper values that sport has, has to you know, be an ambassador for. So the NHL is in a very difficult spot because it is if if the Habs didn't throw the book at Logan Mayu, but the Habs put him in a pretty serious timeout, you know, and said, "Look, you're out for a year for a serious offense." But this is on another level, right? So the NHL is almost put in a position where they have to they have to they can't turn a blind eye. They can't not you know, not try and take action and, and investigate further because there would potentially be six, seven, eight perpetrators of a heinous crime that are playing amongst their ranks. And that immediately casts a pall over the NHL that would not take those allegations seriously. What they do with them, again, these are unproven, right? So what do you do? Like, do you come up with your own investigative report and then you deem that what they did was, was, you know, happened according okay. to what burden of proof, you know, what are the, what are the mechanisms that are you going to use to file a sanction? That's why in other sports leagues you have, if you throw the league into disrepute via your conduct, if there are allegations that are serious enough that throw our league or our sports team into disrepute, into disrepute, then you can be, you can be suspended. And that's very much, you know, something that the NHL could look at going forward. There's um, an audit that's been triggered by the government. I mean, yeah. what, what kind of audit are we talking about here? Well, Hockey Canada is funded in, you know, it's it's a there's a federal component to Hockey Canada in terms of the funding. So, if one dollar of taxpayers' money goes towards a settlement that would also amount to a possible cover up. You know, if, you know, from a, a settlement is not, a settlement is a cover up to a certain extent, right? It's a, we don't want to disclose. We want to keep uh-huh. it confidential. We want to, we want to make this go away, but the word cover up will be used by the media to say, look, how, how could you not want to blow this out in the open and, and say that you're, you, you know, we've, we've targeted these, these perpetrators, we've acknowledged what it had happened and, and, and we're going to do something concrete to make sure it never happens again. So we have none of that publicly because we, again, these are all unproven allegations um but if taxpayers money was allegedly used to fund this settlement 
Well, there's a morality problem there in terms of, is this something that we, you know, we sign off on as taxpayers and does the federal government endorse the use of public money towards these types of make it go away situations? David, when there's a settlement, is that situation dead or can that come back up? If the parties are expressing informed consent and there's been no undue pressure um, on either side to, um, to reach an agreement, then that settlement um, and, you know, the, the, the party is of age, you know, sound mind, you know, physical, uh, uh, sound, um, sound mind and, and physical mental capacity uh, to, to, in, to provide informed consent virtually impossible to go back. That's a transaction. It's binding in law. It's the law that is governing the parties. It depends now what the transaction, what the settlement encompasses. I'll tell you one thing. I do a lot of family law and you'll often see in family cases where there are nasty dispute, uh, mm -hmm. custody disputes, mm -hmm. or if there's domestic violence allegations between the parties that one party will file for divorce and then that party at the same time will file a criminal complaint against their husband or wife for domestic violence or, or whatnot. We are not allowed as civil lawyers to do a deal when we settle the file, the settle the divorce file or the custody file, the family law file. We are not allowed as family lawyers to say, okay, I'm gonna trade you custody of the kids, but at the same time, you're gonna drop the charges against me because in Canada, the criminal procedure is governed by the Crown. It's the Crown prosecutor. Civil lawyers are not allowed to immerse themselves in the Crown prosecution's um, case and in their evidence and their files. So we, are, we can get disbarred for doing that. So typically you would not be allowed to have a transaction between the parties that are at play here that would forbid the victim allegedly from filing criminal complaints. You know, you would you would think that that would be an open door because that would it's a fundamental right that we have to fight to defend ourselves against crimes and therefore to exercise the articles that are at our disposition under this under the Canadian Criminal Code. So, so you can't just say, look, here's money, but you're not going to sue me and you're not going to file a, a criminal accusation against me, a criminal complaint against me. So long story short, what you're telling me is even though this settlement kind of puts closure to it all because they would avoid, you know, all the attention, the unwanted attention that it would bring if it continues, that there still can be criminal repercussions if indeed some kind of crime took place. Yeah, I mean, there's no, you know, in terms, it, there's no... At this point, there's no statute of limitations that will forbid the victim from from undertaking criminal proceedings. So that would typically be an avenue that would be open to her um, if she feels that that's where she wants to take it. Um, and then, Dave, if I can, let's sure. just say, and pardon me, just so I don't forget Go my for my, my train of thought here. Let's just say she believes that you know at least one member definitely definitely committed a crime and she brings that to light a couple of years from now 
can she end up settling out of court with that particular uh, person as well and end up in the criminal a... proceedings? Yes. Well, the criminal the criminal proceedings, once you filed a complaint, yes, you go to the police, the way it works, step one, you go to the police, you file a complaint. The police will then, you know, will take your statement, will then usually meet with the accused and uh, will will decide based on the initial information that they have, whether there's enough sufficient evidence to mount a criminal case. If they believe that an arrest uh, warrant needs to be issued, they do so, and then the file becomes judicial. And then the police hands or the authorities will hand the file over to the Crown prosecutors. And then you've pretty much lost control of the file to a certain extent in the sense that if you're no longer willing to cooperate with the Crown as the star witness, as the victim, the Crown has a harder time in making the evidence, right? So, so long as the victim is motivated to continue, then the Crown will continue. And in certain very serious offenses, even if the victim doesn't want to continue, the Crown is, is, is oftentimes obligated to pursue to the full extent. Now, within that platform, this ecosystem of criminal law, you have you have plea bargains. They don't all go to court. They can decide, the Crown prosecution can decide to drop the case if there's evidence that comes to light that they feel could be very damaging. If the other side presents an argument to or presents a deal that would be a plea bargain, so you negotiate a lesser sentence or a lesser fine, a lesser, you know, to a lesser infraction, so long as the judge endorses it, then it could happen. So these are all mechanisms that could also lead to an amicable I don't like calling it an amicable res resolution in criminal law, but it is a it is a resolution. But the other thing is this: it's not just the victim that needs to that can file a complaint. Anyone who is a witness to what happened, if you see a murder being committed on the streets, you can go to the police, and the person that committed the murder will be arrested. It's not just the victim, obviously not of a murder, but of an attempted murder that has the the opportunity to go to the police. Anyone who's in that room, if that really happened that did not participate. And the problem is that if they were all in the room, then did they all abet, you know, aid and abet? Were they part of the, the problem? Are they also subject to some kind of fine or some kind of a, a sanction? But anyone who knew. So if someone's there watching and doesn't do anything, that person is an accomplice in this whole thing. Yeah. You know, the, the I, I don't like, um, you know, spinning it towards Hollywood movies, but if there's a movie that really uh, drove that, whole concept home it was the accused with jodie foster which is a masterpiece it's a beautiful movie it's a heart heartbreaking movie but if you watch you know that you that you are assimilated to being not the master perpetrator of the crime but you're part of the mechanisms the mechanism that enabled the crime dave thanks so much for educating me our listeners all our viewers today i appreciate it but we'll talk to you soon thanks tony it was a pleasure you're very welcome all right it's the sick podcast marinaro and uh, if there's any truth to this story whatsoever, to this allegation, then it's absolutely sickening. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature. And Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you. <laughs>